This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. Let's take Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Ruslan. And our three pundits this week are, well, pretty much every week, are Des Corkill. Good to be back. Uh, a trip to Qatar, big Liverpool Man United game this weekend, loads of Malaysian football. So it's, it's, it's a big weekend of football for me. It For us as well, Des, for everyone. And uh, Gogolin. Hi, welcome back. Uh, it's always a big weekend of football for me and a big weekend of eating also. So. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Very <laughs> Malaysian of you. And, uh, and finally, Bob Holmes. Yep. Uh, another big weekend. A bigger for me because Forrester at home. It's a very different uh, forest when they're at home. Yeah. Triumphant score draws. Um, so uh, we got a lot to get through today. We got FA Cup, midweek FA Cup. We've got Premier League. We've got Malaysian football. We've got a bit of Copa del Rey. And we've also got some breaking news about Newcastle United ownership, which we will get to later. But first, let's go straight for the FA Cup matches that happened over the weekend. And Gogolin, Manchester United 3, West Ham 1. The scoreline suggests dominance, but it was it was a very unite, old-fashioned United performance. They left it late and they fought to the end and Casemiro to the rescue. I think the Casemiro name is, you know, it's it's resounding within the United squad. But uh, what you just alluded to is Ten Hag's uh, man management and, you know, how he's shaped this team. You see them, you know, playing really, I think they were really dead on their feet after the Carabao Cup uh, final and all that. And to raise themselves up in that game and to come back is testimony to what Ten Hag has done with the squad. So, you know, everybody says it's sometimes, you know, United are playing, you know, or game of two halves and all that. It's all that halftime team talk that he comes up. You know, we don't know what he's saying, but it, they, they come in like a fresh new team. And you're right, they fight till the end. So whatever he's been saying to them, the whatever the tweaks he's been doing them, is we working. And and I've uh, I was reading a couple of articles on you know is United back and all that. Whether United back or not is not the point. It's United have now the right manager in place to be back. You know, we've had a couple of false dawns with United. I'm sure we'll be speaking more about this when we speak about the big game over the weekend. But what United have been uh, showing right now is what Ten Hag is, is trying to stamp throughout this uh, squad, and the results are showing. Uh, yeah, Des, you're impressed by this United performance and uh, FA Cup. I mean, it's it's opening up nicely for them. It, it is. They, they've got a home tie against Fulham coming up next. Um, hey, if you've listened to me assiduously, as I know you do, Cam, you will have Des, heard me Des say Corkill? that. <laughs> you heard me say that this Man United under Ten Hag have, have, have been growing. They always had good players, and now they've got a man who's got rid of the, the poison, uh, Ronaldo and Pogba, and um, he's he's got them playing to his tune. And it's a late win. He's introduced young players, Ganacho. Well, that, that's really brave of him to play young players and give them a starring role. And Ganacho's responding in some style. Fred is a man reborn. Um, you 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 wouldn't recognise this Fred from the 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 Fred who was playing under previous coaches and, and this Man United team they are still in with a chance of all four trophies. We talked about the quadruple of Liverpool last year. You know, Man United are I think genuine contenders. Don't think they'll make it, but um, the belief that Ten Hag has got in into Man United inside a season is massive testimony to to him. 
but also tells you that United had good players before. They really did. I used to say this, could never understand why they weren't doing better. Now with the players that they've got, they are they are producing the results that they really should have done in the past. But it's courtesy, Ten Hag. Yeah. Uh, Bob, uh, now it's down to the last eight. And a few weeks ago, I challenged you to tell us something about Grimsby and uh, Grimsby Town. And you started talking about Nottingham Forest's European Cup victory. <laughs> but uh, now we need to know some actual information about Grimsby Town because they beat Southampton by uh, two goals to one. And um, I, th- I thought Grimsby, Grimsby Town were like Real Madrid. I mean, they uh, in terms of winning penalties and uh, <laughs> feigning injury. But uh, Grimsby Town... Well, it's ironic. Uh, they won two penalties on VAR, and they don't have VAR in League Two, where Grimsby play, and they don't like it. The chairman and the manager are on record as saying they really don't like VAR, and they uh, they got a bill for it um, this week, and they begrudged paying this bill, even though they benefited from two VAR decisions, which actually won them the match. So deep, deep feelings about VAR. I think only Des dislikes VAR more than Grimsby. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a town. It's, it's just known for its fish. You can smell it uh, about 50 miles away. Uh, it's not very glamorous. Grim being uh, the operative word. Its greatest claim to fame was Bill Shankly managed uh, Grimsby. On the way up to Liverpool, he um, he went to a, a couple of clubs uh, after that. Uh, before, well, he went he went to Huddersfield, I think. After that, that was the the big stepping stone, and then Liverpool. But he was at Grimsby. They were doing nothing in the old third division north or something, and suddenly, with Shankly, one of the players remarked, "We suddenly feel seven feet tall," and that was the difference he he made. You know, in in sort of a few weeks. Sorry, when are we talking about? This is the 1830s, is it? 50s. This 50s. would have been the right. 50s, right. early 50s. Uh, so it's 70, you know, 70 odd years ago, and they haven't done anything since. Um, so this is really uh, a great moment for them. And good for their finances, I should think. Yeah, and uh, remarkably, they took 4,000 fans down to Southampton, which is at virtually the other end of the country, and a midweek night and uh, not easy uh transportation links uh so it shows that even in a town like that uh you would say a, you know a, a one horse town or a one fish town <laughs> um you know there's still that love of football there's still that basic love of football and if the if the town team does anything the fans turn out mm-hmm. remarkable Okay, well, we'll move on from them, but I would just say that Grimsby's actual claim to fame would be that that is where, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, the coffin of Count Dracula first arrived on the shores of England. Uh, okay, I can't beat that. <laughs> no, you can't. So, uh, okay, uh, Gogolin, here, help me out here. It was um, Sheffield United 1, Tottenham 0. Now, I, as a Malaysian, I, if, if I had to play uh, on a wet Tuesday or Wednesday in Sheffield, with that kind of rain and cold, I wouldn't be up for it either. So, I mean, we can be, you know, Tottenham Hotspur overplayed players, but they, they can be forgiven for that, can't they? Great goal, by the way. 
Obviously, you know, this is the magic of the FA Cup. You have all these stars going, and this is, again, another point that we make. If you're going to compare uh, to a certain point the Cup story, right? Spurs have been pining for a Cup for ages, and the FA Cup is opening up for them, right? They have Sheffield United away, which is, you know, on paper, uh, not a huge task. It's something that you go and you, you know, you get your you get it over and done with and come back. And yes, it's midweek, but it's not like, you know, they're... I really don't understand how Spurs threw that away because it, they they would have got a who has Sheffield United got in the draw though by the way I really don't remember uh, Blackburn uh, yeah exactly Blackburn. see see my point right so there are not that many big teams left in the in the FA Cup and for Spurs this is one of the big chances for them to you know get a trophy for the cabinet again the throwing it away at Sheffield United is is inexcusable mm, throwing it away uh, okay um, uh, Des uh, I want to jump to Burnley one Fleetwood. Town nil. If you were town and Burnley are the absolute high flyers in the uh, championship, not like your grandfather's Burnley or your Sean Dyche's Burnley. They are getting a lot of praise for the way that they play, and it could be Burnley's FA Cup. Well, they've got they drew Manchester City, so Vincent Company is going back to uh, take on Manchester City. So City would be favourites, but you're quite right. Um, uh, um, Vincent Company has. Uh, just revamp this whole team. Um, you, you you look at the, the defence, which is what Sean Dyche built it on, and, and me has, has gone and done well, and Pope's gone and done well. But there's very, very few players remaining from the, the team that went down. Taylor at left back is, is about the only one. He's completely changed uh, the forward line. Uh, Obafemi came in from um, uh, from Southampton. He's the only really big name. Uh, Zorori is a, a Moroccan international. And suddenly you've got a, a, an attack-minded team who are taking the championship by storm. They're something like about 10 points clear of Sheffield mm. United up at the top, having a great season, uh, looking odds on for promotion. And they've got the this this cup run. Um, this was a this was a sticky victory, though. It, it went to the very, very last minute before they got the better of Fleetwood. Credit to Fleetwood, who themselves are a team who are well run, well managed, um, punching above their weight in, in terms of the size of the town. But Burnley, good, good looking Burnley are coming back. In the 60s, Bob will tell you, Burnley were one of the teams. Burnley were Burnley and Tottenham used to go head to head for, for doubles and titles and cups, etc. So it's good to see Burnley and the Northwest once again getting back into good positions. Uh, absolutely. And unfortunately, uh, we've run out of time. So it was uh Leicester one, Blackburn two. I, you know, Leicester looked pretty awful. So uh we move on, though. We're going to go to the Premier League in a moment here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with me, Cam. There's Bob, Goglin and Des. And now, Bob. Uh, wow. This was the the match that had been postponed, I think, because Queen Elizabeth died. And it's the, the game in hand for Arsenal. Uh Ever, uh, Arsenal and Everton, a match that is not usually so eagerly anticipated, but Arsenal won 4-0 and boy, did they win. Each and every goal was beautifully crafted. It wasn't luck. It was it was skill. Yeah, uh, Arsenal have more of it than uh, Everton, uh, quite a lot more. Um, but Everton, to their credit, uh, did okay, I thought, to begin with, but they just can't score. And uh, I've got some stats for you here. Um, I know stats don't come over so well on radio, but these are quite stark. Uh, Everton, 
they they've sold two uh, strikers or one uh, Anthony Gordon as a not an out and out striker, but he was their leading scorer this season. Um, they sold Richarlison and Gordon, and they're left with a bunch of players who only score. Now, these are attacking players who only score once in 10 games. This is why Everton never score. I'll just read, read out the names. Mope is their leading scorer, or will be. I mean, if you, if you count his goals for Brighton, he scored 27 goals in 119 games. Dwight McNeil, nine in 156 Alexei Wobi, 16 in 207. And Damari Gray, who we think is a decent player, only 18 in 189. That adds up to 70 Premier League goals from 671 appearances. But but is that is that a is that a case of a, a lack of skill in the strikers or a lack of supply to is that well, about the midfield, in fact? Well, both. I mean, uh, Two or three of those players have been uh, relatively recent signings. I mean, Owobi came from Arsenal, Mope from Brighton, McNeil from Burnley, but they weren't scoring at those clubs either. So I think they're they are they are non-scoring forwards. I mean, it, you can get away with one or two of those if you've got somebody like Ian Rush or. Erling Haaland or Harry Kane alongside you, they make up for that. But this is what, how many names did I read out there? Five or six names. These are Everton's forwards that Sean Dyche has to choose from. And then, of course, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who has a slightly better record than that, but he's never fit. He's hardly played. If, let's say, they hadn't sold Richarlison, uh, which feels like it was 10 years ago, uh, it would be a different story. We'll never know, of course. But do you think that would make a difference? Well, you, you'd have to think so. Even Anthony Gordon, I think, would have made some sort of difference. And now this is a club that's owned by a billionaire building a super new stadium. Where are their priorities? I mean, they'll tell you it's avoiding relegation. But, you know, they're not going about it the right way by selling the only two guys in the team who know where the net is. I mean, that's that's my point. So although Everton started reasonably well and there was maybe a little a little frustration amongst the Emirates crowd until they they put one in and it ended up being four nil very comfortable in the end. Um, Everton did did, to their credit, uh, acquit themselves quite well, I thought, mm-hmm. for half an hour or so. But they came away with nothing. No goals, no points. OK, well, uh We'll probably get a chance to talk about Arsenal later. Uh, but for now, I just want to jump forward to, and by the way, Everton are now very much in the drop zone. I want to drop to uh, jump to Des. Liverpool 2, Wolves nil. Now, I was thinking when I was watching this, it's like if, if I didn't know about Liverpool's recent woes, and I just watched this, and, uh, and I was sort of thinking it was like last season, I'd still be thinking, eh, they're, not, they're not very, they're not, they're, they're slow. There's something wrong here. I, I I know Van Dyke scored a goal and Salah, and this is this is like business as usual. But is it business as usual? It's getting better. Um, and the return to Canate, the return of uh, Jota helps things. Um, this was a solid win. You take away the um, the nightmare of Real Madrid and Liverpool are now four clean sheets in a row. Um, are building a little bit of momentum. And they need to because their next fixtures are Manchester United. Then they've got Bournemouth away. After that, City away. Chelsea away, 
Arsenal at home. They're Liverpool's next five fixtures. So if they are coming into form, and it does look like they are, you know, that win at Newcastle was a good win. Uh, even though it was against 10 men, Liverpool were in control from the start. Um, uh, the, the the aberration, the, the, the horror of, of Real Madrid, I think has got to be put to bed. And Liverpool, if they can get through the next um, four games, I don't know, with, with six points, maybe, um, maybe, maybe six or seven points, I think they've got a genuine chance of uh, rescuing this season by getting a top four place. They're, they're just coming good. The players are coming back. So many uh, players have been injured. Um, and Van Dijk coming back and scoring goals and looking secure. Canate back looking secure. It, it, it makes such a difference because it helps Fabinho, who look good. They they still had teenagers in um, uh, Harvey Elliott playing. So I thought this was very good because Wolves have proven themselves to be a, a difficult team to put away in, re- in recent uh, weeks. And Liverpool did this. Far more comfortably, I think, than the two 0 suggests. I think I think they needed this victory more than anything else because you know after that uh, the trashing they got at home by Real Madrid in, and then subsequently at the goalless draw at Palace, the mood needed to be lifted. You know, and oh, yeah, that's right. Wolves is you know, on paper, yes, you know they they're not pulling up great stakes, but. Uh, traditionally, they are they have been uh, big rivals to Liverpool in the league. So for them to count to the two 0 victory points was, I think, good hands them in good stead for the big game this weekend. Uh, and well, Goglum, why don't you tell us about the big game this weekend? Liverpool versus Manchester United. Uh, Des seems to think that uh, Liverpool is going to get a European spot, presumably at the expense of Tottenham and not United. But this would be a big step for Liverpool. Paul, but Man United looking pretty good. I don't know. It's it's in the balance. So. Well, I always say form goes out the window when games like this come up. You know, regardless, you might go. They, each team might be four games, uh, uh, you know, on a lost streak. But still, it will be a every player there will be up for it. They do not need to be reminded on what it means to the fan base to them. You know, especially when United you play United. So yes, this they, they don't need any motivation for this game. And again, form is out the window. So. As a as a neutral fan, it will be great to watch this, you know. And the, but the form team in the league right now is Man United. They have they have, they have, they have been winning when even when they're not playing well. So again, as I said earlier in the show, Ten Hag is, is stamping his uh, mark on the team. So it will it will be a great uh, uh, how you say a head to head between Ten Hag and uh, Klopp on the tactical side of things. So who is going to win, or what's the score going to be? I think this is a score draw, though. Okay. And uh, Des, where do you think Liverpool's, I mean, uh, and also where would the key battles be in this uh, in this match? Uh, taming Rashford. Rashford trying to get in behind um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's come in for some prodigious stick. Um, but uh, he offers you know, so much going forward for Liverpool that when he and the fullback Shimikas, it was at, at, uh, against Wolves, but Robertson probably against uh, United, when they're on song and getting forward in support of the front three, it makes such a difference, Liverpool. And so if if um, Alexander-Arnold can can look after Marcus Rashford down United's left, down Liverpool's right, that could be where this game is won and lost. Um, midfield should be a titanic battle. Uh, Casemiro and Fred up against uh, a reborn Fabinho and probably Henderson. Um, I'd be interested to see if Bajtetic gets uh, a, a start for this one. But no, Liverpool are edging back into form. Salah looks like he's up for it as well. And I'm I'm confident at least a draw for Liverpool, maybe even um, a win. Not a 4-0 like last year, but a Liverpool win possibly. Mm. Okay. Hey, Bob, uh, now we're going to come to another match, but I also want I also want your prediction. I, I knew Des was going to reference the 4-0 because, you know, they never let it go. 
Uh, <laughs> the one we're not letting go is the five nil at Old Trafford. That's in posterity. Sorry, go, Gogolin. No, no football fan lets anything go ever. This is true. Uh, this is true. Well, can I just chip in here as well? We still got. We still got European champions. Salah. I just want to say yes, yes. Mo Salah. Twenty has goals again. Nine yeah. times in five games against United, and mm-hmm. that although he scored off his knee or thigh. Uh, in midweek, I think it still puts him in the mood. I, th- I think um, you might you might just see a vintage uh, piece of play from Mo Salah this weekend. Okay. Hey, uh, Bob, Man City versus Newcastle. And we're probably not going to mention anything about the, the playing of football on the pitch because there's breaking news about Newcastle ownership, which I read and did not fully understand. <laughs> well, you're probably not the only one. Um, it came out in a, a U.S. court. Uh, it's about the dispute with Live Golf. I'm sure that uh, many uh, football fans uh, are aware of uh, the Live Golf uh, scenario in America, particularly. And uh, so it's gone to it's gone to court, and it's gone to court in the UK as well. But um, Live Golf it's a it's a Saudi Arabian uh, operation. Backed by uh, by absolute zillions. I mean, they make the amount of money given to Newcastle is peanuts compared to what they put into golf. But the point here is about Newcastle that the guy that's the chairman of Newcastle United is uh, Yasser Al Ramayan, and he swore that he was an independent guy, chairman of the uh, public investment fund, but nothing to do with the government. And it was on that basis that the the, the Premier League granted Newcastle, uh, the owners permission to buy Newcastle. All the rest of the clubs were against it, and pointing out that this was actually Saudi the Saudi Arabian government that was behind it. Anyway, he denied that furiously, but in a U, in the U.S. court, it's come out that he is a sitting member of the Saudi cabinet. And the other Premier League clubs have called for an emergency meeting. And they reminded uh, Richard Masters, who's the boss of the Premier League, what he said when uh, the the uh, OK was given to Saudi Arabia, that if they were found to have uh, infringed the, the rules and belong to the government, he would kick them out, kick out the owners. Hmm. Now, they're going to try to hold him to that. Now, <laughs> I don't think they've got a chance in hell, but the what it means is what it what it could mean is that it could make it very difficult for the likes of Qatar or Saudi Arabia, indeed, to uh, to buy Manchester United, because although we have multiple ownership, I mean Americans own ten of the twenty Premier League clubs. No one is suggesting there's collusion and Joe Biden having a word with the with the VAR referee on on Sunday for the Man United Liverpool game, but that's America. This is Saudi Arabia. But is it against the rules or the law for a nation state, a government to own a football? Club? It's again. It's against the uh, the way the Premier League have uh, have couched their rules. And the the new ownership rules that are going to be put in as a result of this long-standing uh, inquiry, uh, they're going to make make um, it much much tougher 
for new uh, owners to come in and buy Premier League clubs. So the chances of Qatar buying Man United, I think, are very much reduced because Qatar own PSG. Now, UEFA is not going to allow the same people to uh, own uh, two different clubs in the same competition. Because they, yeah. they've met a couple of times in the um, in Europe in recent years, haven't they? Man United and PSG. There's always a possibility of them meeting. So they're not going to allow that to happen. So I think you're going to see a lot more scrutiny over these uh, possible deals for ownership of, um, of Premier League clubs. And yeah. it's the second time now that you've had a 19-1 uh, split in the Premier League, which doesn't augur well. It's a different club, but it was very much 19-1 against Manchester City over their financial scandal. And it's 19-1 against Newcastle over this issue. Now, this this is not healthy for the so-called best league in the world. And this yeah. is what you get when you get nation states buying football clubs and sovereign wealth funds. This, this is, I'm afraid, is it's the chickens are coming home to roost here. Well, uh, yeah, but forgive me for being a bit cynical here, but I would, I would assume absolutely nothing's going to happen. Uh, we're not going to see the triumphal return of Mike Ashley to Newcastle. <laughs> um, and everything will just go back to normal. And, you know, Saudi can, the Saudis well, can buy whatever I think, they want. I, I, yes, I said, I, I don't think that, um, these owners are going to get kicked out of Newcastle. But I think the point is that it, the, any, anyone else coming in will, will find it very difficult. If they already own a football club or if they're anywhere near a football club in, uh, in the UK or Europe, they're, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, so that's all Man of United, the... That's the Man United deal possibly scuppered, isn't it? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, all of the big oil uh, nation states have already done their business. Um, I mean, Qatar have PSG, so I mean, where they get they've done it. You <laughs> know, they're in. Um, but anyway. they, yeah, but they want to buy Man United. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they probably will. Uh, Jim Ratcliffe may get it after all. He may get it after all. He's aluminium, isn't it? Yeah, but he he already owns Nice in France. <laughs> yeah. um, who you mean uh, the country? I mean, the, the city of Nice. He probably does actually. No, um, Nice Football Club. Yeah. He, well, um, you're quite right. It's it's a can of worms which we've we've known has been coming up um, on the rails, uh, and it, it's football is meant to be the great socialist sport, the great equaliser. Our best eleven versus your best eleven. That's how it was based. Um, Cam, yeah, you gave me an yeah. eyebrows raise there. Yeah. And and when you take away that that chance to compete, which you do when nation states um, run teams, then the the game just loses all credibility for the likes of Grimsby, for the likes of. Any team down in the in uh, Fleetwood, um, of, of Burnley, of Blackburn, etc., all of whom are in the news, and um, I, I, I'd, I'd love these guys to be kicked out at some stage, but I don't yeah, know. How that, I, we have to move on, but I mean, you know, the, these football clubs are always owned by some dodgy local businessmen in the scrap merch, scrap metal uh, trade. You know, things falling off the backs of lorries. Yes, yes, but um, a, sov- um, a, 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 a dodgy dealer compared to um, a, a sovereign state, it makes it makes for an unfair playing field. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Google and I were saying earlier before the show, it seems though you would have thought brand, uh, keeping the brand uh, 
clean and, and pure would be good, but it seems like football just doesn't care about the brand. Um, so anyway, going to move on. And a bit more Premier League in a moment here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Just for Kicks with me and Goglin and Bob Holmes and Des and now Goglin. Uh, Chelsea are going to be playing Leeds. This seems to be, uh, I think, a crucially important match. I read somewhere, God knows if this is true or not, but that Graham Potter's been given two games uh, to prove himself, which is the same as saying no games, but I, I don't know if that's true. Uh, no, I think, I, think, I, think, I think what he was said was even if he lost the two, but next two games, they will still stay with him. Oh. So I think that's what the, uh, the headlines were essentially. Because I think they've set their stall out with Potter. You know, again, I everybody knows that he wasn't his signing. So he's doing the best he can right now with the squad that he has. And you cannot expect whatever amount of money you spend for the squad to gel, gel immediately. And the Premier League is an unforgiving place. It's not, it, the, quali- the, the, temp- the quality is so high there that, you know, teams that will not give you a second chance if you do not have your stuff together. So you could see the Chelsea or Spurs game, you know. But do you think Leeds will be looking at this and thinking, we can yeah, get some points I, I, here? They should, they should, they, they really should, you know, because this is one of the games where they can really, really upset the, the the form book here. You know, just speaking of the form book, there's not really much of a form book in Chelsea, you know, you're just playing on name right now. And it's the best time to be playing Chelsea, right? You know, if you ask me as a Leeds fan. So as a Leeds fan, you should be optimistic. They, they, they've got a new manager in, they've got, they, they've got the three points from last weekend. Uh, the spirits are up. So, yes, uh, Chelsea should be worried about this Leeds game. So, at the beginning of the season, Goglin, if uh, someone had told you that at this point, Aston Villa and Chris, uh, sorry, Aston Villa and Chelsea would be level on points at 10th and 11th. I mean, you might believe that Aston Villa could be there. But, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but Chelsea, though? Yeah, exactly, right? You know, again, and even after the, the January transfer window, who spends that amount of money on a, in the January transfer window? You know, it's ridiculous. Again, I said this before, if it was the if it was the summer transfer window, yes, I understand because you have time to gel these players, bet these players, you have a preseason and all that. This is, you have to hit the ground running. And yeah, back to your question, yeah, I would have never believed that. Yeah, and I saw um, uh, somebody posted clips of uh, Chelsea players seemingly refusing to pass to Mudrick. Um, is it? I have no idea about that one. Why? Well, he. I mean, Mudrik would be constantly sort of like moving forward, trying to get in position, and then, and then, and then the 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 Chelsea midfielder would pointedly turn around and pass the ball in a different direction. That, that, that's like me on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't cost eighty-eight million quid, though, um, Gogs. <laughs> yeah, soon, soon. The, the the benchmark for football. Uh, hey, uh, Des. Um, this is a this is a match. I mean, in the past, I might have just glossed over. But Brighton versus West Ham, Brighton are really showing themselves to be. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where their strength exactly lies. And West Ham in trouble down the bottom. This should be the other way around. So, what is bright? What is Brighton's strength? What's what's going right there? Uh, they play lovely football um, and they've got a manager who selects players and buys players to play the style to to, to which he, he wants them to play. Uh, I still think they lack an out-and-out goal scorer, although they're not too bad this year. They've got 39 goals this year, but they, they're just a, a really nice footballing team who have a style and they believe in it. Um, 
they've I, I do think they've overachieved with with the players that they've got and I think they'll be um they'll drop a little bit and as you can see they're eighth now we were talking at one stage of them generally competing for a, a top four or five place but they're eighth now and I think a drop will come towards the end of the season um as for West Ham I think the reverse is going to happen I've uh, I've been saying all all season that the um uh, they're a better team than that it, it suggests. That 4-0 win over Forest last week was much needed. Danny Ings coming in and scoring a couple of goals for them will give uh, David Moyes a bit of a boost. And I can see West Ham getting closer to Brighton as this season progresses. Because um, you judge people at the end of the season. You judge people after the 38 games have been played, uh, not after 24 or 25. There are changes and sways within that uh, within that time. But let's look at the at the end of 30, 38 games. And I would wager the West Ham are pretty close to Brighton at the end of that season. Here on Just for Kicks, we judge at we just judge. Uh, <laughs> after like, you know, half a match. So I don't know what you're talking about, Des. We don't wait <laughs> to the end of the season. Uh Bob Holmes, meanwhile, the big one. This is the one that we've all been waiting for. It's going to be Nottingham Forest versus Everton. And I mean, it really is a big one because Nottingham Forest are in 13th on 25 points, which is probably a surprise to you as much as anyone else. And Everton, who have played one game more on 21 points, very much down in 18th. It's going to be Forest at home, uh, which is good for Forest. Uh, I don't know why it's good for Forest, but are you thinking, hey, this is an easy three points? Not easy, no. Um, there's never an easy three points in the in the Premier League this season. Um, but Forest are a different team at home. Uh, why is that? It's well, the crowd has something to do with it. They've, um, I think, the uh, the being out of the Premier League for twenty three years built up uh, an absolute craving for for top flight football and when they finally achieved it the fans were were going to celebrate as they did the biblical terms in the city and uh, Wembley and and they're going to every game it's uh, every game's a sellout and there's a great atmosphere and even uh, though Forest are not scoring many the crowd's still behind them very much so um They've they've really organised the the fans. They've got a a group uh, called the Gary Baldies. It's uh it's like an Italian ultra um, group, non-violent, um, but uh, based on uh, the general Gary Baldi who united Italy. He came to Nottingham of all places when Forest were were formed, and that's the association with this Gary Baldi. Um, but they've. Uh, They've got the crowd going. Um, they they put up these huge banners like you see in the San Siro and they orchestrate chants and singing and all this sort of thing. And it's made a tremendous difference. The, we used to think the city ground was a bit of a library um, at one time, but uh, not anymore. It's, uh, it's more like a cauldron. And this has had an effect on the players. But the... Um, I was reading the Athletic, which, by the way, is a is a great uh, is, publication. Yeah. Um, they analysed uh, Forest and tried to explain why they're so good at home and so terrible away. And they looked at all the stats, and there's not much difference, surprisingly, in the you know the amount of possession. It's only like two percent difference at home to away, expected goals, all this sort of stuff. Hardly any difference, but. They've only scored three goals away and only got three points. 
And it's the worst record of the entire league, all four divisions. <laughs> so <laughs> something's got to give. And Everton are almost in this in the same boat. Um, again, they have a, a passionate crowd behind them, and that has to make a difference. Uh, Goodison, uh, they've got their two wins under Sean Dyche, both at home, but not very good away, never score. So having said all that and given you all those stats about Everton not scoring, I think we're looking at about a 5-4 Everton win here. <laughs> uh Des, um, your your brother's an Everton fan and is not looking very good down there. But uh, would he think it's going to be a five four to Everton? Absolutely not, not with Everton. But a, a five against them is a possibility sometimes, <laughs> as, we, as we saw with Arsenal. But uh, they, they just can't score goals. Seventeen in twenty five games is is I think only Southampton are even close to that. And we knew this. It was a known known before the start of the season. You sell Richarlison and you sell Anthony Gordon and uh, you replace him with Neil Mope, who's a, a willing worker and will work hard. And you're relying on the injury-prone um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And you're really giving yourself a, a tough time. The only consolation for Everton is that it is only a win between them and 14th place. It's only four points between Forest mm. and Everton. So a couple of wins really can turn things round. But um, you do wonder where those wins are. Well, no, you know exactly where those wins are going to come from. One nils in big games at at, um, at Goodison Park. Um, that's the only way out of this for Everton, to keep it tight at home and to, to eke out enough three points for them to get close to the 37, 36, 37 points, which mm. is a big ask. What's that? 16, 17 points they need in the last um, 13 games of the season. That's a fairly big ask. Yeah. So, Goglan, uh, your team, Aston Villa, do they ever seem to play football matches? <laughs> they're not, every time you're on, it's like they're never playing. Anyway, um, so uh, let's let I want to ask you, I talked to you earlier about Arsenal. I want to ask you again about Arsenal. Arsenal v Bournemouth. I mean, this is top versus bottom. It, Bournemouth are bottom, aren't they? They are, no, they're not quite bottom. My God. Second to bottom. And but I don't know. I mean, they're going to destroy Bournemouth, and I mean Bournemouth. Are, I don't know. I mean, what what is Bournemouth? <laughs> you know, I think the form. I mean, after that uh, dismantling of Everton, <clears throat> um, Arsenal went through that 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 that, <clears throat> that blip that I was talking about that most teams go through, you know, and they came through it again, especially against the Villa Villa game. I think that was the defining moment where they were down twice back to back and then they came back and won that game and I could see the belief running through the, the, the team after that. You know, how, how much it meant to them, you know, especially in that turn because they had just come off a loss to City at that point. You know, they closed closest uh, rivals and they really need to win that game. So it, that was a defining moment, that game, that match, uh, those three points. So again, after that, you could see they were cruising for, and and now with the Everton 4-0 win, it's it's against Bournemouth. It's it's a good game to be playing right now, especially for Arsenal. But this is the Premier League, and I've said before, it is it is competitive at, at, at every level. So you know, can you can expect a tough game, but if they get those early goals, then it's they'll be cruising it. So Arsenal Arsenal are the five points ahead now, City. They are and and now they're at level on uh, games played. Uh, do we think Arsenal are the real deal now, Bob? Oh yes, they're um, they're definitely capable of uh, winning it. I mean, they could uh, afford to lose to City in the in that game. They've got to go to the Etihad to play uh, and still win the title. They played their they've got their um, game in hand out of the way in midweek. 
So five points, yes. Um, and City have got some tough games. City can't really afford to slip up anymore. We we always knew City had a slip up in them. They've had one or two uh, inexplicable lapses. Uh, you get that in a pep side. Um, but they can't afford any more if Arsenal keep winning. And Arsenal will go to the Etihad in April. Well, it'll, it, it's some distance away. I mean, it's it's closer to the end of the season than it is to now. So you'll have a better idea of how this is going to pan out when they do go to the Etihad. I mean, it could, it could be done and dusted. Uh, City have got more distractions than Arsenal. I mean, uh, Arsenal are, are in uh, Europe, but City are going for the Champions League, the big one. And Pep has been known to slip up in that. And there's a lot more pressure on him this time because of those slips. He's found ways of not winning the Champions League. And he can't really, well, he can afford to. He's a he's a wealthy man, but his reputation is made. But it would be a massive blow to his ego and his and his legacy if City were to stuff up again in the Champions League. Um, so that's got to be the priority, perhaps even more than the league for once. Normally, the league is the priority and that's it. You don't even discuss it. But I think in this particular case with Pep and the fact that he hasn't won it, City have never won it. I think the Champions League is the one they really want. So they're going to be going all out for that. It's midweek. These games are midweek. It's possible that they could slip up either just before a midweek game or just after a big game in in Europe. So I think Arsenal have definitely got uh, a chance. They're definitely in there. Even though they they were beaten by City, I think quite convincingly in the previous game, but uh, subsequent results have shown that Arsenal are very much in it. Mm. I hate to say this, United are in this as well because um, Bob's just laid out the Man City problems. Arsenal have got three London derbies and they've got to go to City and to Anfield and to Newcastle. So Arsenal could drop points here and, uh, oh, hell, imagine imagine the torture that would be if Man United would come through and take the league. But, I mean, that you're talking about an absolute collapse of both Arsenal and City. No, it's two or three. It's two or three results going against you. Things change very, very quickly. You drop a couple of, of games, and suddenly a, a comfortable five points is literally only two games. Um, and 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 and, it, and if they lose at City, it changes completely. If they draw United, carry on uh, getting wins. United do come back in the uh, to the into the equation, and their confidence is so high. Goglin, I mean, you you they have and... a game in hand, though United, right? Yeah, I yeah, think they have so. one in hand. Yeah, yeah they have a yeah. game in hand. Because uh, yeah. Gogolin, you and Des, you both play football at the highest level every Sunday, uh, <laughs> so you know what it's like to play under you know high pressure stakes with with crowds of literally dozen. Um, yeah, the, the crowds, you know, the crowds are unruly wherever you play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know your wife, so yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know the the uh, I mean I mean that kind of collapse. Yeah, I think what Des is saying, it is a possibility because, you know, like, again, the form team right now is United and uh, a collapse, it, it has to be a collapse of magnitude uh, uh, magnitude proportions right now for both teams to drop to the point for United to make a round. But yeah, the fixture list, uh, Europe, thankfully uh, United are still in Europe, so they have that uh, thing to worry about. So 
that quadruple might be something that will derail that league. But uh, Des is completely right. The United could sneak this in. Nobody's talking about them right now. You know, they, well, we are. Yeah, we are exactly. We lead the pack. You see. We judge early. You could sneak it in, and you might see some chatter on the United's uh, league uh, title push coming up soon in the next few weeks from certain journalists. Yeah, well, uh, Sean Mahotra, who was on the Monday show, who's a Manchester United fan, he refuses to talk about it, which seems to be what exactly fans <laughs> do. Said, no, it's never going to happen. Stop it. So uh, we move on. And in a moment, we will do a bit of Copa del Rey and a quick look at the championship and then uh, Malaysian football here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to part four, Change of Plans. We're going to talk Brentford. <laughs> uh, we were going to do, we will do, do a bit of ch- uh, championship, but uh, Bob's, uh, Brentford are due, I mean, they're doing well. They're doing well. And they're due to play Fulham. My goodness. Two West London teams who are doing so much better than we ever expected. But things have been happening at Brentford off the pitch. Yes. Uh, with regard to Ivan Tony, their star striker, scored 14 goals already this season. He's uh, admitted to uh, uh, placing bets on uh, on football matches, which is uh, illegal, and he's facing a lengthy ban. It's about to be announced. I think any any day he's probably got one more game left. He's looking at missing quite a few games. We don't know how strict the league will be, but they are coming down harder and harder on this. It's somewhat hypocritical because half the teams advertise uh, bookies' um, uh, services. Uh, Gambling is a big thing in the UK. So on the one hand, the league is accepting money, or the league and the clubs are accepting millions in sponsorship from the betting industry. And then as soon as one of their players actually makes a bet, then they come down like a ton of bricks on him. Yeah, but yes. I, I doubt he's he's betting on like you know the dog races. He's he's is he betting on matches? I think he's, that bet, he he's is bet on in. football matches. Yeah, so he's this... bet on football matches. Yeah, he shouldn't have done it, and he know oh, he knows it. it. He knows it. But I think I just ought to get that in about about the gambling industry. I, sure. I mean, it, it's an open goal, but I I didn't want to miss it. Um, it's a point, and I think the league is realizing that they've. They can't be so reliant on the betting industry for sponsorship, and they are they are trying to tighten up on that. But this is going to have a bearing on on Brentford, and uh, I think that they're certainly not going to go down. They've belied the fears of the second season syndrome and all that. I mean, they were favourites to go down last season, weren't they? They hadn't been in the top flight for about ninety years, um, but the, they they uh, finished. They were they were a revelation. Um, and this season too, but uh, I well, think they're going to miss him. I uh, mean, he's their star player. He is, yeah. And they've got enough points to ensure against uh, going down or anything. But cool. I think you're going to see a bit of a drop off towards uh, from now on without him. He's their okay. talisman. Uh, they're on 35 points. Uh, what what is safety this season? 35 usually. 35, 40. It's usually about 37, 38. Yeah. This season it might be a bit higher because there's there's a lot of competition. You don't have one team that's already down. Even Southampton, they're not nowhere near mathematically down yet. Yeah, yeah. But um, so it, it could be a bit higher. 
Okay. Hey, uh, Des and Bob as well. Uh, we're going to check into the championship because we just need to we need to keep an eye on, on on who's going to be coming up to the Premier League. We're very Premier League uh, fixated here on uh, Just for Kicks. Um, and uh, we talked about Burnley being high flyers earlier, and um, Sheffield United doing well as well. But that they're, they're all playing attractive football these days. I hate attractive football, especially teams coming up from the championship. Is that is that are they going to succeed? Well, Burnley, Burnley are playing really, really nice football. Vincent Company. I think a lot depends on whether Vincent Company stays at Burnley because there was a little bit of talk of him taking over the Belgian national team job not so long ago. And and uh, what seems to happen is um, a coach does well and he's lured away. Uh, there's, there's talk of um, of Cooper at um, at Forest um, attracting interest from elsewhere as well. But so you you hope that um, Vincent Company stays relatively loyal to his team when they get re- um, promoted. They're twelve points clear of uh, Sheffield United, um, two automatic promotion places. But that championship is crazy, as usual. Right the way down to, I think it's 11th place, West Brom. Uh, you've got, um, you, you're within two points of, of, sorry, within two wins of getting yourself into the uh, um, playoff positions. So it's it's a super league. Sheffield United are looking good um, in with 64 points. Uh, they, um, they're, what are they? Seven points clear of Middlesbrough. Blackburn are in the mix as well. Three teams doing well in the in the FA Cup as well. Millwall are coming on great guns. Luton, even without Nathan Jones, uh, they've come on <laughs> onto fifty four points. And Norwich and Watford and Sunderland and Coventry and West Brom, big names all in the scrap for for playoffs. It's a uh, it's great fun, is the Championship. It's so intense. And Gogolin, uh, your team Aston Villa spent a bit of time in the Championship fairly recently. So, I mean, you obviously enjoyed it. It it, it is notoriously hard league. It is. It is the amount of games played. You know, it, it's the quality of football. I'm very, very uh, surprised that Astros stopped showing the games on TV because it was really enjoyed to watch those games. And you know, you're talking about tough with a capital T. You know, it's better than some leagues in Europe on the continent. Well, yeah, I mean, it has more money than... than. Well, it's not only about the money. It's the quality of football that's being played and the number of games, the sheer number of games that they play is, you know... Because it's 24, 24 teams. Yeah. 24, 46 matches, yeah. 40, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and when you were watching Villa back in the... I don't even know how how you would have watched Villa back in the day when they were down there. Um, I, I flew every other week I was in Villa Park. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, there's only a, a, what, uh, some obscure ways to watch it and you had to get the Villa Pass or something like that at that point, you know, because, again, like they couldn't, they, we couldn't watch the games on TV here. Yeah. So, yeah. And Bob, I mean, as a Nottingham Forest fan, I'm sure you're looking forward. No, I mean, you're not looking. I mean, you you don't even think about the championship. Um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, Forest, you know, they, they got out of it. What's the key to getting out of the championship? Uh, luck um, has a lot to do with it. But, uh, well, the, the championship has shown that um, with the teams that have come up in recent years uh, of the quality that uh, Des was talking about, I mean, Fulham, for example, uh, they came up uh, what with with Forrest, didn't they? Um, it was Forrest, uh, Bournemouth and, and Fulham who came up last year. And Fulham are looking at a place in Europe in their first season, uh, no mugs at all. I mean, you could see that from the very first game, and they held Liverpool to a draw. Uh, the and uh, Bournemouth are struggling. Forest have been struggling, as we've said, but they're not totally out of their depth. 
And uh, you, you can see that a side like Burnley, the way they're playing and the league, the lead that they've got, the top of the league, they're a class apart. And if Vincent Company stays, I think you you find that Burnley will equip themselves pretty well next season, assuming, of course, that they they sign one or two players and and all that. But I'm sure they will. So, uh, and the championship is the uh, fourth biggest league in the world, isn't it? Yeah, in yeah. in terms of crowds, because you've got some big city clubs there and some big big cities and not such great clubs, but they they do get the crowds. You get twenty or thirty thousand um, every week at, at most of those grounds. So um, it's well worth watching. If um, if anybody at Astro is listening, really, they should put it on. Yeah, I like Sunderland, who are down at ninth. I mean, they they get crowds that are well, they're certainly bigger than Bournemouth because they got a bigger stadium. Uh, okay, uh, Copa del Rey, uh, Gogolin, Behind you is your your <laughs> Barcelona shirt, and Barcelona won the semi first leg of the semi final. Um, I thought that they were broke. I don't not quite sure how they're still yes, playing. Yes, <laughs> but uh, 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 you know, it's a victory. They're top of the league, and so yeah, it, it is. It is a it is a very psychological victory. Also, you know, you you beat Real Madrid at home, uh, at their home in one 0 and it's I think the, one of the first games that Real Madrid did not even have a shot on goal. So you know, and this was a Barcelona without Lewandowski, without Pedri, and I think without somebody else, Dembele. Yeah. So you know, to come back to get that first leg, that, that psychological victory, away goal. So it it has in good stead, especially after the weekend that they've had. You know, you're losing United, losing to Almeria. So yep. Barcelona in good form in domestic good domestic form just wish they could have translated it against United yeah okay this is the wide world of football that was like five seconds on the Spain <laughs> but we need that time because there's Malaysian football things are hotting up yeah the season is up and running in um, the Malaysian league uh, four teams have won two get uh, their two matches so far Sabah who have got a strong squad under former national coach John Kim Sui. Uh, they've won both their games. Uh, Salango beat Kuching uh, 5-0 yesterday. They've won both their games. Johor had a very big win or very comfortable win over Kuala Lumpur City in midweek. Um, they've got two out of two. And Kedda as well, um, with, who've got, who made a number of signings, changed their coach. Uh, Nafauzi uh, Zain uh, is, is one of my... Um, one of the better domestic coaches. He starts off with two wins out of two. Um, so it's 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 the big guns. Possibly the, the frustration, um, the only disappointing team so far are Tringanu, who've lost both. And they entertain Kuala Lumpur City, who uh, blew a 2-0 lead with 10 minutes to go against 10 men uh, against Penang on match day one of the season. So um, both those teams could use a, a boost of a, a first victory of the season. But yeah, it, it's hotting up. I think this is going to be relatively competitive. Johor seems so far ahead of the rest of the field. But Sabah have got a budget and they've spent well. Salango, I think, are looking very, very strong. And Keda, if their players gel... I, I always thought that they could have a really strong midfield that, that, that could challenge, and it's proving that as well. So, um, yeah, quite competitive up, up at the top. Big game this weekend, I think, is uh, Negri Sembalan versus Johor. Um, Negri were, were challengers last year. This season, they've started with two draws. Uh, their squads are... K-Devon's squad is a little bit weaker, but that, to me, is, is always a, a, a big test, particularly if there's a big crowd at Paroi. It can be quite an intimidating stadium, but uh, Johor seemed to, to, to love that one. 
But um, no, the league is up and running. Um, with all due respect to getting the championship on Astro, I'm delighted that all six games are on Astro, uh, split kickoff times. So I wish there was some English commentary, but there yeah, isn't. No, um, no, it's a uh, Malay commentary, but the, the, the guys are doing a, a terrific job. And I'm loving the idea of the split kickoff times because it means that the, the whole weekend, there's some there's a narrative going on. You're wondering what the impact of a, of a Johor goal will mean to tomorrow's game when Sabah play, etc. So uh, I think uh, big kudos to the organisers and to Astro for uh, making that one happen. But yeah, the league is is kicking off some big crowds. Kedah was chock-a-block um, last night and, uh, sorry, on uh, Thursday. Um, so yeah, get yourself down to a stadium near you. Near you. There's uh, some good football going on. Yeah, uh, so there you have it. That's the wide world of football. We covered just about everything. Well, not really. And uh, But I'd like to thank uh, our pundits, uh, Goglin. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Have a good weekend, everyone. Yeah. And uh, Bob Holmes, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, let's say we get two home wins on Sunday night. Uh, uh, because we're professionals, we don't say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. And uh, Des Corkill. Uh, thanks for having me, and let's hope we have two home wins on Sunday night. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Good thing Aston Villa are not playing. Uh, <laughs> um, oi, so, oi. <laughs> no, because then, then you know, just the sheer lack of professionalism on this panel would be exposed. So, well, thank you very much, and join us next time here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.